think Tevez going to Juventus, what, what a coup that was for me. I mean, On a head-to-head -head battle, Atletico Madrid can do uh, more damage to Barcelona than the other way around. Either he's really blind or he's fixing the match. I, I can't see it any other way. I'm, I'm trying to get Sir Bob on my side here by saying City will win the Premier League. It, it is an upset. You would expect Man United to go and win there. Over a billion dollars was paid in transfer fees uh, between the clubs in, in Europe. It's football. It's damn football. Like Ferguson said, football. Bloody marvelous. Yeah, well, the celebration was, I can't believe I just scored against Mexico. Uh, at one point, Parma, I think it's only like 224 players under contract. Hey, they're gonna throw me out of here, fellas. You're gonna get me arrested on your show. If you're a serious talent, you're going back and you're playing for Santos. You, you know, you're going back to, to play for, like, in Argentina for River Plate or Boca Juniors, or you're going to Europe. He looked like the Ryan Giggs of old. He was more creative than any player on the pitch. Um, he made Matter look stupid. He made Rooney look silly. Now, the Premier League is what the most exciting league out there. I think it's probably the best marketed league without a question. When you look at the draw for the, the Champions League, you kind of say, well, all the pieces kind of fell into place for everybody except City. I am your host, Joe Ucello. Sir Bob, Mike Orr. My co-host, Rob Rojas. My trusted co-host, Ben the Machine. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 396 of Low Limit Football on this 6th of August, 2023. I'm your host, Joe Ucello, and tonight, Gianluigi Buffon announces his retirement from football. He'll take a, a position with Roberto Mancini on the Italian national team. Moves this week in the transfer window include Robert Sanchez to Chelsea, Yunus Musa to AC Milan, and Gianluca Scamacca back to Italy, but to Atalanta. And today... We're all FIFA Women's World Cup on the breaking news that the U.S. women's national team has been eliminated on penalties by Sweden, making four of the top 10 teams being eliminated in this Women's World Cup. We're going to discuss that and much, much more with our very special guest, Riley James from Goals TV, who will join us in just a moment. But first, let me get my co-host in here, Mr. Roberto Rojas. How many cups of coffee you had so far today? Zero, and it's hard to believe because <laughs> I, I, I went to sleep at like, I think, one in the morning sometimes i was doing work with, with the zone and then i just woke up for this and i was like okay here we are no not not one sip of coffee and like i said I'm, i've never been a coffee guy i don't intend to be i haven't even had any drinks of like juice or water or anything i've just been wide awake so no i've i don't know how i've done it and i guess having this kind of energy because certainly i have a lot more energy than the u.s i've had in, in this in the last few weeks or so but uh yeah good to, good to be back it's hard to believe that the european season starts well, for the majority of the big looks, big leagues in about a few days. And yeah, just yeah. really excited. I'll tell you, I, I need a nap. Uh, I'm, I'm totally <laughs> yeah, get, get some rest after the show. Get, just take a nap. Don't even worry about putting it on like as soon as possible. Just go to sleep and then figure it out afterwards. <laughs> well, let, let's you know, we're, we're really lucky today because we're going to be joined by our guest for the entire show. So let me get him in here from Goals TV, Riley James. Riley, how many cups of coffee have you had so far this morning? I'm with Roberto. I'm actually at zero uh, because this is my mid-afternoon. Oh, all right. <laughs> well, I mean, so you're not exactly blurry-eyed like the rest of us at the moment. No, no it's um, I'm covering this tournament for Goals TV, so I put myself on all the time. So it's 
it's later in the day for me. I I'm, maybe need that midday pick me up, and that's where I'm going to go get some food after this. And it's going to be a great thing. But um, yeah, no, the, the big gap between the matches really, really started to get me because I started looking out the window and it was dark. So, but no, no coffee at all. But uh, a fantastic night of soccer, which I'm sure we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, I I went to bed right after the Dutch game for the most part last night, and. You know, four hours later, I was up and ready to go to to watch this one. So let I mean, let's jump into it, right? I mean, let's talk about the the gorilla, the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room, which is the U.S. women's national team being eliminated by Sweden on penalties um, after a nil nil draw. Um, you know, I'm going to go to you guys first to get your reactions to this because I, I mean, I've got I'm I'm full of all sorts of reaction to this, but I want to get your guys' learned opinion. So, Riley, since you're our guest, man, give us your two cents on on what you think of the match, what you think of the performance overall in this World Cup for the women. I mean, just your your thoughts as they ramble off your brain right now. Joe, I have thoughts and opinions and everything in between. It, it was a better performance from the U.S. in this particular match. With that being said, they still did not score a goal, which has been the the difficult part about being a U.S. supporter is the fact that there's, they don't score. And they scored four goals in this tournament, three of which came in the first match against Vietnam. The one kind of bleep you goal from Lindsay Horan in the second match. And then against Portugal and Sweden, you saw nothing. But overall, a, a better performance in this match against Sweden. Um, the midfield was a little bit more tame with moving Emily Sonnet to the six. And frankly, I thought the U.S. obviously were in it all the way until the kind of wild last penalty kick. But, you know, we, we talk about penalty kicks all the time. They're so chaotic and random and they don't really tell who's the better team. It's just who has the better luck in the moment. So it, it's hard to say if the U.S. were better than Sweden today, but they definitely deserved to be in the game, which is something we couldn't really say in the first three matches that they played and how they would have performed against uh, other top powers in the world. But no, I thought it was a better. It wasn't great. It wasn't the U.S. of old. It, it never was going to be with Flatko Lindowski, and it never was going to be with the 14 players who have never participated in a World Cup before. I think of 2015 a lot with the players that they had. It was a young group of players, and we didn't know a lot about them, and they were dealing with the history of having um, haven't been competitive at a World Cup for, for a while. It's semifinal this, semifinal that, and they finally uh, break through in 2011 to get to the final, and then 2015, the pressure's on them to go and try to win it, something they hadn't done since 1999. This didn't feel in the same sense of there was an immense amount of pressure for the U.S. to three-peat, but we got introduced to a lot of players that became integral over the next couple of cycles, and I think that's maybe what happened in 2023. I would agree with... I'm oh, sorry, Riley, go ahead. Down the line. But ultimately, it, I don't think it's a... Look, losing in the round of 16 when you're not supposed when you're supposed to go on and do greater things, it's not a great experience by any means, but I don't think it's going to hurt the development of this team like say Germany going out in the group stage is going to be detrimental for their program and there's just levels to it I think this is a young U.S. team that just kind of ran into some trouble early made it much more difficult on themselves as they probably should have and they suffered the price for it Roberto I want to I want to get you in here um I know you and I have have communicated quite a bit about this world cup um right up to the last minute here uh at, at the close of this match what are your thoughts uh on on this 
on this run? Yeah, I mean, I think what Riley said, I think certainly when you've had all this expectation and hope given to you, and, and rightly so, I mean, when you are the best team in the world, when you are the reigning world champions, when you've had a number of these players who have done this for, for so many years, be it in 2015 or 2019, like obviously expectations are going to be huge. Now, I, I think the issue is, is coming, like you said, Riley, like inexperienced. Like you, like you said, you have a ton of players who have never played in a World Cup before. And it was going to happen eventually. Like, you know, some of these players have to understand that that really getting into this sort of groove is going to be difficult playing in a world cup is hard and sometimes you're up for it sometimes you're not but it's uh it's part of the process and and rightly so i think ultimately i think a lot could be made on black Odanowski as not being the ideal manager and i think this was a, a genuine opinion that has been going on ever since he was appointed and even going back to not winning any sort of gold medal in 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 the tokyo olympics and even going from there and now going into this world cup where the rest of the world is obviously going to be very much a challenge and they were always going to to demonstrate that they could potentially spoil the party for the big favorites, not just the U.S., but we saw that with Germany, we saw that with Brazil, we saw that with many other teams as well, Canada, of course. So I think it's just, it's really just that. And, and now, here we are now on August 6th, 2023, where we're going to have a new tra- champion of the world. We're going to see who it's going to be because, you know, we've had previous former winners uh the ones that are still currently in this tournament is only one and that is japan so (laughs) it's like as long as they are not going to to win it then we're gonna have a first time world champion and i think it's it's gonna be interesting to see what happens now with lakolanowski i mean i would be almost certain that he's not going to stay with this job but the question is who's going to come in who are some of the players that are going to be left out surely the likes of uh, alex morgan megan rapino and, and many others are definitely done in their terms of of trying to uh impact show an impact to this team and, and rightly so i mean that's that's part of the processes and now comes in the your sophia smiths um your trinity robbins even though she didn't play in this tournament but your mallory Swansons and, and whatnot and, and many other players. So I think it's it's the case of that and, and just moving forward to see what's best for for American soccer. And again, I, I don't think they're going to lose this sort of um, issue, like Riley said, like in Germany and all that kind of stuff. I think it was just a case of not being able to demonstrate their luck. And like you said, only four goals scored in in four games is, is poor. It really is poor. It's not deserving of a world champion. And so I think ultimately, if it wasn't going to be Sweden, I think it was definitely going to be Japan because I think Japan mm. have just dominated this entire tournament as a whole. And I think they are the, the current favorites right now to win this World Cup. But um, no, I think it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And I think ultimately, it's uh, hopefully for the U.S. soccer, it'll be a a right step. Um, disappointing, obviously, to, to lose it in this way, but if it was going to happen now, it was going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, Japan right now, you know, just to piggyback on that, they certainly do look up for the task right now. You've got to also think that this Swedish team, um, withstanding all the pressure from U.S. today, look up for the task. Um, you know, England have started to to hit their stride. Spain, although they had the hiccup against Japan, looked very, very good as well. And France seemed to be moving in the right direction. Going back to the to the beginning of this tournament um especially you know one of the big things for the u.s for me was the lack of goal scoring and it was the writing was on the wall when you only post three against the vietnam side where we were talking about double digit goals you know the u.s should have scored more than definitely more than three um but but we should we were talking about tallies of seven or better in that turn in that match and 
and it just wasn't there. Um, secondly, coming into the Dutch match, they, uh, you know, they went, they went behind again. There was a lack of, um, of, of, of spark, uh, except for the moment where Lindsay Horan scored that, uh, you know, scored that revenge goal, um, <clears throat> to draw level. And then the Portuguese match was just nothing but flat. And, and, and really they were lucky to get away with a draw because they could have been eliminated there. You know, this was the best match that the U.S. women have turned in at this World Cup, and and unfortunately, it was the one that knocks them out. Um, You know, you go back to Naomi Gurma. She had a great tournament, I think. Uh, Many will call her the MVP. I think Lindsey Horan had a great tournament as well. Um, Trinity Rodman, unfortunately, you know, played a little hurt today. Um, I believe she had the flu or something like that, but she turned in probably her best 60 minutes of the tournament today. you know, you could see the the miss of Mallory Swanson and um, and Sam Mewis. Remember, also was out of this this World Cup due to injury. So you could see the miss there. You could see that Vladko and Donovsky, um, You know, and I'm sure we'll bash him in a few minutes. But but his <laughs> but his selection of of just three center backs, um, one of them being a non center back in Julie Ertz. Uh, you know, obviously was you know really hurt them, and and he really finally got with Andy Sullivan um, in the midfield. He finally got that kind of situation sorted where he figured it out um and and it allowed them to be more of that attacking side they just didn't finish their chances um i think this tournament overall for alex morgan was awful um i i don't think she um did a great job and i think ultimately this is this we're probably looking at her last world cup we know we're looking at meg rapino's last world cup uh julie Ertz after the match announced that this was probably her last world cup as well um, which I think is a massive loss for the U.S. Uh, team uh, moving forward. But, you know, you had a great tournament by Alyssa Nair. She only gave up one goal, okay? And 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 even when called upon today against Sweden, she did very, very well. And, and if not for a second save on a penalty by a millimeter, um, she's, I mean, she did everything she could today, right? She she saved a penalty. She's the only, of the two keepers, because we thought Musevic was really going to be the one that would shine in this penalty shootout, Roberto. You and I talked about it, but it was really Alyssa Nair who shined in this. I mean, she she saved two penalties, technically. She scored a penalty. I mean, you can't ask any more of her for, from this. So I think she had a great tournament. Um, I think Julie Ertz did have, a, had a very good tournament as well, but Ultimately, you know, Rose Lavelle coming off injury, never got going. She was out of this match because of yellow card accumulation. That didn't help the situation at all. They could have used her creative spark um, in, you know, in the second half, maybe would have gotten them a better answer. Um, you know, you know, and, and these are the things I, for me, let, I mean, let's go to the Andonovsky, the, the Vlakovanovsky part of this, because, you know, for four matches, um, including this one, even though he got the formation right, he he looked to me like a man that was lost, and I and I was listening to Ariana Hingst uh, on the on the post game, and she kind of said the same thing. Like he didn't know what to do, like what type of subs to make. He only made two subs um, that affected the match in this particular match uh, against the Dutch. He only made one sub in Rose Lavelle, bringing her on in the middle of the second half. Like he didn't know what buttons to push, and and I for me. That's that I'm going to lay a lot of this loss on his head because this is where a manager is supposed to shine. This is where your, your tactical ability and your ability to know your team and, and use your team and the strengths to get the result you need. This is where that comes into play. And he never pushed the right button and he had four matches to do it and he didn't do it. Um, I don't see him continuing on in this job. Um, although at this point, I don't trust us soccer to be able to select 
a good coach, <laughs> right? I mean, we we can, <laughs> and we can talk about that for. We're going to need another podcast for that one. But um, Riley, I'm going to go to you because I mean, for me, this was probably Vladko Andonovsky's worst moment, um, and and I think I think this is going to hurt him professionally moving forward. What were your thoughts on on his performance at this World Cup? It was not good. Joe, I mean, I, I, I don't care how anyone tries to defend his decisions and substitutes. And there are people that have on the Internet, these these people who support this national team and to a fault. And no decisions ever a bad decision when it comes to anyone that is associated with the national team. Those people are, are, are not great when it comes to the soccer fandom. There has to be criticism. There has to be. Uh, accountability for the actions that these coaches and these players make. And ultimately, Vlatko Andonovsky, and the players aren't going to sit in, in this at all uh, either, but Vlatko Andonovsky is the leader. He is in charge of this national team and has been for years now. This is not new of him not coming to not, – not meeting expectations. We saw the Olympics in 2021 – Obviously, 2020 Olympics moved over a year. Uh, the U.S. didn't win gold. Didn't even get to a, a place where they could win a medal. And that's no, they got bronze. That's, they, they got, got bronze. bronze. Oh, they got bronze. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they, but still, it's an ex- expectation. No matter who you are or, or what you are, in any tournament, the U.S. plays a match on the women's side. They are expected to win. And he has now had two tournaments, and he's he's not won either of them. And that's not good. You have to at least win one of your first two. We've seen that from U.S. coaches in the past. It was a disastrous campaign um, as Vlatko Andonovsky is probably going to get fired on the plane home from Melbourne, I would imagine. But as far as how it affects his career going forward, he's a club coach at heart. He came from a club. I think he'll go back to a club. He'll never get another international job. Um, unless it's you know one of those smaller nations that needs someone like right now, but I can't imagine that he's going to be coaching uh, in a World Cup anytime soon. It'll be NWSL, it'll be somewhere in Europe, but ultimately, I don't think he, I don't think he's back wearing wearing the big puffer jacket for the U.S. or anyone else. You know, the best sub he made in this entire tournament was Lynn Williams uh, in this Sweden match uh, for Trinity Rodman because she brought on that extra speed that really you could see put a little extra pressure on the back line in Sweden. And and he didn't take advantage of that sub by making some, you know, some other subs that would have would have affected that maybe bringing Alyssa Thompson on. Roberto, what what are your thoughts on on Vladko's performance? No, I mean, like you said, like Riley said, and what you said, I think this is ultimately a disaster from him. I think ultimately you didn't see the best of him. And I think, like you said, this was a manager that was way out of his depth that allowed him to not, you know, manage a, a perfectly talented side, to say the least. It is talented, like you said. I mean, yeah, obviously there's some players that maybe are past their prime and, and whatnot, but you still have very talented players on all ends, goalkeeper, defense, midfield, and forwards. So I think... Ultimately, I think when you put it into perspective, like yeah, obviously you could look at statistics. He's only lost five games in sixty-four games. That's good. That's good for anyone. But you know, there are levels to this, and ultimately the levels are if 
the U.S. are ever going to be successful, they need to win tournaments. That, that's, that's, that's done in almost any sport that you could think of, of any team that has always been successful from day one and have this kind of, you know, history and, and whatnot is to continue doing that. It's, it's the heritage that they have. And so I think now, moving forward, it's it's a case of, all right, what are we going to do now in terms of making this change? I mean, who's next? Who's coming up? Who's the one that we want to take? Do we want to take someone from NWSL? Do we want, do we want to go? Because remember, U.S. soccer hasn't had anyone um, American per se. I mean, yeah, Jill Ellis, is, she counts as naturalized, but she is English of heart. Blagojevsky as well, same person, but... Macedonia, but we haven't had anyone in in so long. So it's the it's the case of like, all right, who's who's coming up? Who's next? Who's who's the one that we need to to focus on? I don't ultimately think it matters because I think any manager in the world will have a good time of wanting to manage a very talented side like the U.S. But of course, it's trying to find the smart ones, like you know, your Emma Hayes, uh, your Serena Whitemans, who who's doing a fantastic job at England. We'll see how far they go in this tournament, but. I think that's the case of what's going to happen moving forward is what kind of idea. And even U.S. soccer as a whole has to think about it going forward because they will view this as a failure. First ever time in, in U.S. women's history that they failed to make it to at least the uh, the quarterfinals. Mm. And, you know, the fact that they got eliminated in the, the round of 16. And this is obviously something that obviously has never happened in, in U.S. soccer as a whole. I mean, yeah, they've they've been to... And like in the World Cups, the whole the worst that they've ever had was third place. Now they're going to the round of sixteen. That's that's a complete drop off. And so, I think ultimately you have to look at what's what's going to happen. But I think as well, like you know, this, we we have to talk about Sweden as well. I mean, they've yeah, they they probably would have been able to to maybe not win this game as a whole if you look at the whole ninety minutes in your XG and your stats. But this is a team that scored nine goals in the group stage. This is a team that's very talented. You know, I think you know someone like. Um, the side that has been so managed has been good. I, I think it's it's really a well two times. But at the end of the day, guys, the the rest of the world is catching up. You know, Japan, Spain. I mean, we're, we're, here we are speaking just a few days before we see the likes of a of a, of a Morocco taking on France or Colombia taking on Jamaica. You know, those teams. The, everyone's catching up. The world is catching up. And for a neutral, it's great. It's good to see that because I think for some they are they got tired of the U.S. winning everything. For the last, you know, eight years, but you know, the world has changed. Players have gotten better. Development has gotten great. There's more investment in the women's game, and so it's just a case of like, hey, the rest of the world is catching up. It's not we're not dominating like we used to. I think we're always going to be a top force. That's not not going to change. But I think we also have to be. We have to have a big a, a bit of humility, which I think for U.S. fans is a bit hard to, to of a pill to swallow because when you've been the best, you always want to be the best. You want to continue to doing that, but. It's the truth. Everyone's catching up, and it's it's good to see. I'm, I'm I'm excited actually in a way now to see who's gonna win this this World Cup. If we're gonna have a first time champion, if Japan are gonna win it for the second time, we'll see. But um, it's just a case of that. It's just we we we've just we're seeing the world catch up, and for better or for worse, it's it's happening. You know, I, you, but Roberto, both those things can be true though. The U.S. Yeah, can absolutely. have a steep decline of, of players that. I've never been here before, inexperienced, bad coaching, everything else, and everyone else catching up. Now the gap just got just a, a lot smaller very fast because Absolutely. the U.S. is falling off, because Germany's out in the group stage, because all these teams are missing so many players. Look, We talked about missing players earlier for the U.S. Everybody's missing players. That's not an excuse at this World Cup. Five starters from the England team last year are not with 
the World Cup squad. I mean, it's just it's not an excuse that yeah, these teams and that can comes use. into as well for different aspects. Like you have a good manager, you have a team that is able to work better from adversity. So you have that as well. I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. I, so it's the the gap is the gap is smaller, and it's gotten a lot smaller, a lot faster because all of these teams are having issues. And I, I think yes, twenty twenty three is going to set up a even wilder twenty twenty seven, wherever that term is going to be. Hopefully, it's here in the U.S. But it's. It's really great to see, and I'm excited to watch Jamaica and Morocco and uh, South Africa earlier today um, or last night or whatever. I don't know, Dave. But it's it's exciting to see, but it's also kind of a it, – it, it also can be true to the top teams are, are faltering, and that's their fault, not necessarily the, the talent of other nations. But good. I, I just – I didn't want to – I didn't want to have that – blend together they're, they're two separate statements that can be true that mm. both helping each other be true in a sense well, let me ask you guys this question i've because i've been asked this question before and i and i have an i have my personal answer to it um obviously there's no denying the, this gap of talent between the u.s women's national team and the world has definitely closed whether we say the u.s women have taken a backward step or the world has taken a forward step we can we can debate that but the gap itself closing is not arguable. Um, so I want to ask your guys' opinions. I mean, I'll start with you, Riley, on this. Um, I want to ask both of your opinions. Why do you think that gap has closed? What what What's happened that has made that gap close? Well, certainly not the federations. You know, we, we've had that conversation all tournament long of these, these women are succeeding in spite of, right? We see Jamaica, we've seen... Uh, a couple of the African nations struggle with getting funding and then recognition in their own countries. I think it's and look, and this is going to sound cliche and cheesy and, and the most hallmark thing you've ever heard. I really do think it's inspiration getting to see women's soccer being played by people that look like you in different regions of the world. There's so much exposure of the women's game. Now uh, we've seen the NWSL have, you know, bits of success and, and and being pushed harder and harder, especially by MLS clubs. But the women's super league in England, the, the crowds are having over there at Wembley and at these these stadiums where these teams play at. It's really really great to see. We see such an influx of international players uh, in those squads for Arsenal and Chelsea and Man City and, and just all these teams that do really well. Barcelona and, and you go over to Germany, you see Wolfsburg do really well. Lyon in France. They're having so many players from these countries, and then they go back. Like you talk about, you talk about Jamaica. Bunny Shaw, Manchester City. She goes back to Jamaica, and that's such an inspirational thing to see a player from your country go and play at a big time club and have success. That inspires the next generation, and that next generation's here. And we met, and, and we've we've seen. This tournament expand from 12 to 16 to 24, and now we're at 32, and three African teams made it to the round of 16. And we see uh, Morocco in their first ever World Cup make it to the knockout stage. It's a, it's about, yeah, we have more spots to allow teams to do that, but we have more people that look like other people. And I think that goes a long way. And if we can just get the right, amount of development behind it and the right amount of finances behind some of these federations that are still succeeding again in spite of 
this women's game is going to be wide open, even more so than it is in 2023. Roberto, your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I think I have to agree with Riley on that one as well. I think it's it's something that ultimately is is something that is important for women's football is important for for us as well and it also demonstrates like hey okay if, if these guys are catching up there we need to be better it, it shows as a as a lesson of, of constructive criticism and even how brutal it was to be eliminated in this way it's it certainly serves as a as a reminder of what's what's to come but i, I think it's what we're seeing right now in, in world football like everything kind of changing for the better it's it wasn't like this 10 years ago it wasn't like this 20 years ago like yeah obviously we get bit complacent and whatnot but that's just how the game has changed and whether for better or for worse it's it's happening you know for me joe, I, you, joe oh yeah okay i wanted to hear your thoughts because you said you had your own personal answer absolutely um you know you use the word inspiration and i think the inspiration does play a part of it that you see you know especially in in those countries like morocco like jamaica where we're, we're really still at the ground level of their um their growth in the in the women's game you know where you, you get inspiration for me the the i word that i would use is investment um i think what you're seeing not necessarily in the united states either um i and again my vision of this is skewed because i really only get more american news than than european news but from what i'm seeing i'm seeing investments from big time clubs heavy investments from big time clubs in the women's game to develop players in Europe. You're seeing Arsenal, you're seeing Barcelona, you're seeing um, Lyon, you're seeing Juventus. They're all investing big dollars, Wolfsburg, um, into the women's game. And I think that, you know, building women's academies, building, you know, development programs for women in their clubs like they have for men i mean really putting them on level playing fields in terms of their their ability to develop and 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 the investment that they're putting in i think has really helped close that gap even more so than the inspiration factor because a bunny shaw goes over to europe and is able to be developed into the player that she is right now which is one of the top players in the world um you know she's not going to get that type of investment in jamaica that she's going to get in europe however the investment into Bunny Shaw allows her to go back to Jamaica and be the inspiration, um, you know, and be the be the the goal that these that these girls in in Jamaica are going to look up to. Um, and I think that I think that is is what we're seeing um, overall. Is I think the investment into the women's game from a from a club standpoint especially in europe has allowed these players to develop and 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 we're seeing the fruits of that because it's been a work in progress but every single year every single tournament we've seen whether we're talking the olympics whether we're talking the world cup that gap from the women's investment in the u.s which i think you know there is there's certainly investment into the women's game in the u.s but i think it's also along the lines of the way this this country invests in mls where it is more in the product on the field at the top level and not so much the development of the player coming up through that level um, or the ability for that player, because we've talked about, you know, pay for play and all that stuff in this country. I think the path for little boys and little girls in Europe is easier for them to be developed into better players than we've got in this country. And I think it's all driven by money. And whether you want to make the money or invest the money, I think Europe is choosing to invest the money. And I think we're seeing fruits of that right now. Riley, you've got something to say about it? I mean, I think you're, I think you're spot on, especially the way America has really taken a look at itself and the way it wants to create this football and culture. MLS is 
what, 27 years old now. Mm-hmm. And we've had soccer a lot longer than that, but MLS has been the thing that's worked and the thing that's currently working as we see Lionel Messi scoring um, five goals in three games in the in whatever the Leagues Cup is. But it is it's definitely a referendum on on american soccer and the way we tend to invest in mls and not so much into and and usl's gotten better and bigger and and but we need to be able to make it not $1500 a month for kids to play soccer mm-hmm. and and europe literally will will put your kid into a program where it educates it and feeds it if you let them play for them and it, there has to be a, a happy medium with American soccer and how we how we develop players because we're always going to be behind if we don't do that. And and we've seen that with the women. Um, you, you made the point that yeah, they're they're getting better because they're they're following the European plan rather than the American plan. And we had Title Nine, and that's why the U.S. is so far ahead for a long time. Mm-hmm. We talked about it a little bit. That gap's that gap's closed. The U.S. has to figure out how to be good at soccer. On the women's side too, it's it's now a fight on both sides, and, and the men have failed to figure it out forever. And there is a worry in the back of my mind that the U.S. women they just don't get back to what they were. Um, I think the talent's always going to be there, especially for this next generation. But after that, gosh, I mean, what, what do we do now? What's next, right, Roberto? Your thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's really just that. It's just you know seeing where we go from here and and what we can work on honestly like i don't i don't think there's really much more to to say than that i mean yeah we can go on and on about the issues of u.s soccer as a whole but ultimately we we have talented players we have one of the best we have you know a side that has a winning tradition and we just need to continue to to maintain that that, so we don't lose our consistency i agree now so Moving forward here, and I, and I just want to kind of put a bow on all of this. Um, what are you looking forward to for the U.S. women's national team coming up? You know, obviously, we're looking at a, a 2027 tournament. We're looking at a 2026, um, you know, Olympic situation. What What are your thoughts? You know, Roberto, I'll go to you first. What do you see? Do you see this being a struggle as we move forward or do you think this is going to be something that the federation can finally turn around and uh and maybe get going in the right direction i think losing in this way will hopefully be a a complete you know 180 in in the way that they change their their mentality and so i think it's it's something that hopefully that they can we can improve on and they can do better but it has to be with the right people that know what's best for women's soccer in this country and what's best for us to be successful. But in my personal view, and you know, I, I'd like to be optimistic in this case, which is hard when you support us soccer, but I think we'll be in a good spot come four years time. Are you as optimistic Riley? I think there is a, a way that we have done it as far as what us soccer has has exhibited in the past. We saw the men's team. Okay, so the round of 16 in a Women's World Cup going out, it's probably akin to the U.S. men not making the World Cup. The same level of this is this is bad, right? It's the worst performance at a World Cup for the women, and it's the fact that the men didn't make their first World Cup since the 80s on the men's side. So you have these two juxtaposition of, of what constitutes failure on on either side of U.S. soccer. And I made the joke on my show this morning before I got on with you guys. Around the 16 for, for the men, it's a pretty good tournament. 
and we're sitting here talking about firing the coach for the women and what's next and the, the kind of overall state of, of women's soccer in America. I think the men in 2017, we saw them shed the weight of Trinidad and Tobago. No more Michael Bradley, no more um, John Brooks and Tim Howard and Brad Guzan. And, and they, they just got rid of everyone on that team. And it allowed guys like Eunice Musa and Tyler Adams and, and Giovanni Reina. And like they all kind of showed up in that time period following the World Cup loss. I don't know if the women need that dramatic of change. But you mentioned it earlier, Alex Morgan, Julie Ertz. Obviously, Megan Rapinoe's done after this year anyways, but th- maybe it's time to just let him go. And and I don't really believe in send-off games and this like grand gesture of whatever. Um, but if that's what it takes to, to get them out of the national team and create new room for a front – you Roberto, you were talking about these, these young players earlier. Can you imagine a front three of Mallory Swanson, Sophia Smith, and Trinity Rodman at the Olympics in 2024 oh, it'd be amazing. in Paris? It'd be amazing. It's, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be kind of this next generation of American soccer where, okay, here are the women that's representing us now. We now have an, a renewed hope because we're not relying on uh, the same old, same old. It's, all right, what can these women do? It's like what I was talking about earlier in 2015, all these fresh faces who struggle through the group stage and, and then go all the way to the World Cup and win it against Japan, getting their revenge. I think U.S. soccer has to follow at least in part what they did for the men, shed the weight, create new opportunities, take these 14 players from the World Cup, keep the ones you like, cut the ones you don't, let's keep it moving because Paris is, is a massive deal now. Mm-hmm. The Olympics are always secondary to the World Cup, but I think Paris now becomes the the paramount next step in how the U.S. has to go forward with their women's program. 25, 22, 21. Those are the ages of Mallory Swanson, Sophia Smith, and Trinity Rodman. That is the future. I'm plain and simple. I can't even. That's a long time. If they're all healthy and good and stay within the team, and we've seen these women stay to what? Megan Rapinoe's 38, Mm -hmm. Alex Morgan's in her mid-30s. I mean, that's 10 12 years of three World Cups. So. It, it actually mirrors the U.S. men's national team, too, don't you think? Where we've got a lot of youth there um, and they're coming up and through. I mean, you think of Christian Pulisic, he's 24. You know, he's still a kid. And this is, this would, well, this would have been his second World Cup if we didn't screw it up against Trinidad and Tobago. But that's, again, another podcast. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it kind of mirrors that. Um, the questions are going to be who replaces Alyssa Nair? Alyssa Nair is going to be, um, she's currently 35 years old. You know, you can't expect her to be there at, you know, she's, is she Gigi Buffon? We're going to find out the hard way, I guess, um, you know, but they're going to be certainly aged pieces that are going to go out. And, and maybe this is the time to reboot this team when you've got a lot of youth coming through. Um, and we saw glimpses of, of, of quality. Like we said, Naomi Gurma was probably the player of the tournament for the U.S., um, you know, and even though you're going to have a, a Lindsey Horan that's going to be about 33 years old, still probably going to be good quality. Um, you're going to have Rose Lavelle that's going to be uh, 32. Uh, you know, you're still going to have good stuff there as well. So you, I think there's options here moving forward. Um, but that strike team of, uh, of like you said, uh, Sophia Smith, uh, Mallory Swanson, and Trinity Rodman certainly, you know, has got to get you excited at least moving forward with this U.S. US women's national team. So. 
gentlemen, I'm, I'm going to table this discussion. I'm going to give you guys a, ma- a list of matches of the week this week because we, amazingly, um, and I know it's only August 6th, but apparently Europe just wants to start back up again. So um, on, <laughs> on Monday, England and Nigeria, 3.30 a.m. Again, all these times are Eastern. Uh, they're going to play their round of 16 match. Australia, Denmark are at 6.30 a.m. And then on Tuesday, Colombia, Jamaica at 4 a.m. And France, Monaco will round out the round of 16 at 7 a.m. On Thursday, we'll start the quarterfinals, Spain and the Netherlands at 9 p.m. And then on Friday, we will have Japan, Sweden at 3.30 a.m. And then, like I said, Europe uh, wants to get started. So we are going to kick off in Spain with Almeria and Rayo Vallecano, the first match of the season. That will be at 1.30 p.m. Burnley, Manchester City, the champions return in the EPL at 3 p.m. And Nice and Lille will kick off Ligue 1 at 3 p.m. as well. On Saturday, we're going to have the winner of Austria-Denmark versus the winner of France-Morocco at 3 a.m. And that's going to be your quarterfinal matchup. And at 6.30 a.m., we're going to have England-Nigeria uh, winner versus the Columbia-Jamaica winner at 6.30 a.m. And then we'll close out the uh, the afternoon with PSG, the champions, facing off Lorient to kick off their league on season at 3 p.m. And then on Sunday, probably the biggest match in terms of club football this weekend, Chelsea-Liverpool, 11.30 a.m. We'll have to see how the... The newly re-re-reshaped Chelsea will fare against Liverpool. And then the champions of Spain, uh, Barcelona, will head to the road to face off Getafe at 3.30 p.m. That'll close out your matches of the week. Gentlemen, um, Riley, before we let you go, um, where can everybody find your work, my friend? So non-soccer, non-sports show, if anyone cares, available on every platform. You can find podcasts, especially Spotify. We have a, a deal with Spotify. I'm very, very thankful for that. And then Rocker Women's World Cup is available on Goals TV, goals.tv, and of course, goals underscore TV on Twitter or X or whatever you'd like to call it these days. But I'm, I'm very thankful for your time. Congratulations. What, 963, you said? At the uh, beginning of the show, that's a lot uh, of no, shows, man. Uh, no, three ninety six, three ninety six, three ninety six. But three ninety six. Uh, that's still a lot of shows. Yeah, but and and uh, and, and coming first week of September, it'll be ten years. So, gosh, dude, that's incredible. Been doing it for a little while. So, uh, Mr. Rojas, uh, without anything left on the list today, let's hit the closing music. Do it. All right, here we go. So for episode 396 of Low Limit Football, special thanks again to Riley James for joining us on the show. Next week, we're going to start looking at the European season. We're going to look at the quarterfinals of the Women's World Cup as well. So for episode 396 of Low Limit Football, I am Joe Ucello. I'm Rudy Rojas. Thanks for listening, everyone, and good night. <laughs>